Hey, how's everybody doing? And welcome back to 125 Unfiltered, episode 33 here today. And I'm gonna go over the entire March Madness tournament, gonna review what happened, and we are gonna preview the final four that is happening today, Gonzaga versus UCLA. Baylor versus Houston. I just want to first off apologize for not getting this episode sooner. I really wanted to get an episode uh, after the first two rounds, but schoolwork got very busy. Uh, I feel like that's my excuse every time, but you know, schoolwork comes before this. This is a fun podcast that I like to do on the side, uh, but I'm just very happy that I can get this episode out to you today. We have a, a more chill weekend here at Chapel Hill with the with the wellness weekend, so I uh, can take a little break from some schoolwork, and we're going to get a good podcast episode in today right now. So without further ado, let's just hop straight into it. When reviewing this tournament, the only word I can use to describe it is madness. It was chaos. Upsets all over the place. My winner pick, Illinois, goes down early to Loyola, Chicago. My bracket was an absolute mess. I can't, I don't think I've done a, I made a worse bracket ever. In, in my life of doing brackets. And it's unfortunate because, you know, I come on the podcast, make a lot of predictions, and a lot of these predictions flopped. M- almost every single one of them. So let's just start with Illinois. I watched the second half of the Illinois game. No adjustments made whatsoever by Coach Underwood. Ayodesumu was horrible. Nine points, six turnovers. If your coach isn't coaching is at his best and your best player isn't playing at his best, That's a good recipe to lose a game. Loyola Chicago controlled the tempo of the game the entire game. Cameron Crutwig was fantastic. I believe he had 19-12 and five assists. He was unbelievable. Uh, I think they had Coburn lay off of him, but they let Crutwig do what he does best, passing. He ran the offense like a quarterback, and he shredded up that Illinois man-to-man defense. They could not uh, ever put a run together because Loyola was just getting buckets at the other end. Illinois couldn't get a stop. And, you know, that's when my bracket was officially busted. When when Illinois went down, I was like, man, it's over. Because before that, obviously, first round, we saw a lot of upsets. But I just want to touch on Illinois first because I was so confident in this Illinois team. You got Dasunu, who is an All-American. Coburn's great in the middle. Great supporting pieces around him. And they just didn't play a good game against Loyola Chicago. I was a little scared of that matchup beforehand, but I thought that they could do it. But give all the credit to Porter Moser in Loyola Chicago. He just took the Oklahoma job, by the way. But Porter Moser had a fantastic game plan against that Illinois team, and Underwood had no response to it. And they were the first number one seed knocked out of the tournament. And that's where my bracket got busted. But before that, first round, absolute chaos. Upsets all over the place. Biggest one being Oral Roberts over Ohio State. The Ohio State Buckeyes, who I was very high on, Dwayne Washington, got a lot of uh, flack after the game for just not having a good game. It was, if people who watched the whole game, he started the game four for four for 11 points, hit three threes. He was awesome to start the game, and I believe he finished like 7 of 21 maybe. He was awful after the first five minutes of that game. Couldn't hit a shot. He had a good look at the end to send it to double overtime, and he just couldn't hit it. But I was very high on the Buckeyes. Liddell also um, disappointed a little bit missing that free throw, but, I mean, we saw how people were giving him death threats. That's completely unacceptable. You know, we are human at the end of the day, but I expected more out of this 
um, out of the Ohio State Buckeyes, but I mean, we'll get to Oral Roberts later, but again, got to give credit to these these lower seed teams. They get an opportunity, they come out, and they give you everything. I mean, I mean everything that they have. Look at a team like Albaline Christian knocking off Texas, a team that I was considering uh, for the Final Four, but Albaline Christian just was fantastic defensively. They really rattled those Texas guards. Look at North Texas. I believe his name is JV on Hamlet. Fantastic. Just declared for the draft, by the way. He was so good against Purdue. I think he had like 25, 26 points. You know, a, the, it was a good recipe for an upset. Got good guard play. Got someone who can score. And he played defense. That, that's a recipe for an upset. We saw it this tournament. Speaking of upsets, I didn't get many of them. This was not a good tournament for me in terms of predictions. You know, when it comes to sports journalism, and I know this episode is going to be a little bit all over the place just because there's so much to talk about, but when it comes to sports journalism and, and making opinions, you're going to be right sometimes, and you're going to be wrong sometimes, maybe more than more than being right. Uh, and w- when I predicted the Super Bowl correctly, the, the Bucks and Chiefs, uh, you know, you got to take your, your wins uh, with uh, very humbly, but then you got to take your losses the same exact way. And uh, I got a lot of upset picks wrong and didn't pick a lot of upsets. I picked every 12-5 upset incorrectly. I had three t- uh, 12-seeds winning. Uh, Santa Barbara obviously lost uh, a heartbreaking way, missing a layup. Georgetown got smacked. Winthrop couldn't hang with Villanova. Uh, in no 12. Uh, and then Oregon State was the other one, and I didn't pick them. Uh, I believe my main upsets that I got right, UCLA and Rutgers. Uh, I should have picked Ohio. I said on the podcast that I should have picked Ohio, or that I wanted to, but I picked Virginia to be safe. Uh, that was probably the one that I should have picked. The one, um, the, the the game I'm the most upset about when it came to my bracket was Syracuse and San Diego State. Why did I not pick Syracuse? This is what they do. Lower seed, they always find a way to the Sweet 16, and I want to touch on Syracuse a bit later. Uh, I'm just starting off with where I went wrong in my bracket, and then we'll get to, I guess, what impressed me with this tournament. Uh, a slight slight note on Michigan. I had Michigan losing to LSU. They made it to the Elite Eight. Uh, I, I predicted, uh, or I felt like they were going to not make it to the Final Four. I didn't expect them to make it that far because I thought LSU was a fantastic matchup to beat Michigan. But uh, losing livers really showed they uh, couldn't do anything offensively against UCLA. And uh, that's why they are not in the Final Four. But I'd say the biggest way... Or the, one of the biggest things I miss up, besides from obviously my Final Four and Championship picks, because uh, I only have Gonzaga, the Pac-12. Wow, the Pac-12 really impressed this tournament. Uh, you got Oregon, you got Southern Cal, UCLA, Oregon State, and and uh, those four in the Sweet 16. I, I'm checking if I uh, missed any others. Colorado made it to the second round, but the Pac-12 was really good. Southern Cal really impressed me. Uh, the Mobley brothers were fantastic. Really beat down on Kansas. Uh, I watched the Oregon game against Iowa. Uh, Duarte and the crew, they were all really good all around. They gave Iowa fits. I mean, UCLA, which I'll talk about a little later, talking about the Final Four. I mean, this is just an unexpected run. First run, or first four to the Final Four, uh, they were down double digits against Michigan State. They looked done. They lost four games before uh, the NCAA tournament, and they have not looked back since uh, coming back against Michigan State. So credit to them. And then obviously Oregon State, Ethan Thompson was really good, but that was just a really good defensive team uh, in Oregon State. But they eventually met their match against Houston. 
So I'd say that that's uh, where I went wrong in my bracket. And then to top it off, UNC losing to Wisconsin. That was just embarrassing. We don't really need to talk much about that. We all saw the game. We saw how Wisconsin uh, made shots, and we didn't. It's as simple as that. Now let's move on to what impressed me with this tournament. I first want to talk about Oral Roberts, the biggest story of the tournament, in my opinion. These two guys, Max A. Smith, Kevin O'Banner, Wow, they put on a show. Dynamic duo of the tournament. They were fantastic. Acemas can shoot from anywhere. Could shoot from the parking lot. He was shooting from the logo. That guy can score. Averaged 24 and a half on the season. In the tournament, he had 29 against Ohio State, 26 against Florida, 25 against Arkansas. Max Acemas is a bucket. He was fantastic, and I really wish he hit that shot against Arkansas. He got a clean look. That's the look that he probably wanted, and he just couldn't get it to fall. And then O'Banner, he had 30 against Ohio State, 28 against Florida. He only had 12 against Arkansas because uh, Arkansas defensively really keyed in on O'Banner and let A. Smith uh, get his numbers. But O'Banner was really good those first two games. I mean, it just seemed like every time they needed a big shot, he was there to hit it. He was hitting threes, going to work in the post. He was a perfect complement to Acemas. And it's always fun. It's a 15 seed. A 15 seed going to the Sweet 16, a shot away from the Elite Eight. Uh, Paul Mills, I believe their coach, did a really good job game planning against uh, all three teams, really. They gave Arkansas fits for a bit. But, man... What a what a story for Oral Roberts. So fun to watch all three games. And even when they beat Ohio State, I was like, good for them. The, I mean, the awesome part about this tournament, you got these mid-major schools who they get into the tournament by winning their conference championship. And then we just don't see them that much during the regular season. And then a team like Oral Roberts can go on a run like they did. And it's just so much fun to watch. This is exactly what March Madness is all about. We want the madness. We want the chaos. We want the upsets. We want these smaller teams to get some shine. And that's exactly what they did. So full credit to Oral Roberts. Story of the tournament. I loved watching them every single game. And, you know, I'm excited to see what Acemas does next year. I mean, I think he's a, I believe he was a sophomore. So who, who knows? Maybe he'll be back next year. Next big story I want to talk about, Syracuse. Buddy Beheim was fantastic. You know, you got the whole father-son story. I think that's really cool, but Syracuse was not even close to the tournament midway through the ACC play. They were struggling, and then Beheim caught fire. ACC tournament, they lost on a buzzer beater to Virginia, sneaked their way in as an 11 seed, and, oh my gosh, they blew out San Diego State. And then West Virginia... Press Virginia, you know, Bob Huggins, really good defensive team. Buddy Bayheim, he only had three points in the first half, but he can shoot the ball like no one else in college basketball. Buddy Bayheim is a certified bucket. He said it to, uh, when trash talking we saw, uh, to, to the other team. He had 30 against San Diego State, 25 against West Virginia, and then against Houston, he got shut down. I believe it was 3 for 13, 1 for 9 from 3. But Buddy Beheim was just fantastic. And that was a cool storyline. You know, uh, dad and son making it to the Sweet 16. Uh, and, you know, I, I heard Dick Vitale talk about this on ESPN, comparing him to Duncan Robinson, and I see it. He's got the size. He can shoot the lights out. 
Buddy Bayheim can be a future NBA player, and he proved it. And, you know, just seeing a player like him take over a game, you get it twice against UNC. He's just a really good shooter, and you got to respect good shooters. I talked about the Pac-12 a little bit already for what impressed me. They really impressed me. I guess another point on what disappointed everyone knows, the Big Ten flopped. Illinois going out early, Iowa, Ohio State, Purdue losing first round. It just seemed like every Big Ten team just flopped. Michigan was the only one to make it past the round of 32. They were the only Big Ten team in the Sweet 16. I mean, and then lastly, for what impressed me, Gonzaga's dominance. I mean, man, this team is really good. Jalen Suggs is going to be a top three pick. Some people think he should be the number one pick. I mean, he'll have a great chance to improve his draft stock tonight when they play UCLA. Corey Kispert can really shoot it. Drew Timmy, though, has been the star of the tournament for Gonzaga. He's been an absolute mismatch down low. No one can handle Drew Timmy. And then when you've got good role players around them, Nemhart has been really good. He had 17 against Southern Cal, I believe. Uh, Joel Ayayi, he'll be a, a second-round pick, apparently, in the NBA. This Gonzaga team is loaded. They've got four future NBA players. They've got good coaching in Mark Few. This is Mark Few's best chance at a championship this team is stacked they are so good offensively so efficient they score around 50 points per game in the paint they've got everything i don't know who's gonna beat this gonzaga team but i i'll get to that after uh after i wrap up this little segment and i also wanted to let's give uh all final four teams some credit um baylor really good guard play defensively they can um, they can really cause teams fits. I believe they force a turnover on every fourth possession for the other team, which is which is crazy. Uh, Davion Mitchell, Macy Oteague, Jared Butler, they've all been pretty good. Uh, even their bench players, uh, Flagler, Meyer, they've been uh, really really good for Baylor. Um, you know, going up against Houston, they they can definitely make it to the championship. Houston's been really good all around. Good defensive team. They gave Buddy Beheim fits. He only had 12, like I said, against them. Good defensively. They've got good guard play offensively. Sasser was really good against Oregon State. Quentin Grimes made some big shots throughout the tournament. Uh, Dejan Giroux, really good all-around player. I mean, he was playing with like a hip injury, persevering through the pain. Uh, Tremont Mark, he had the, the game winner against Rutgers to escape that game. This is a good Houston team. Really good all around. And then finally, UCLA, like I said, first four to the final four. This is just a really good story. Uh, a, a former blue or a blue blood who hasn't really been in the spotlight in a long time. Uh, this team's really good defensively. Uh, they play good team defense. They limited Michigan to 49 points. I didn't even realize it, but they lost their best player to an ACL injury in December. But that didn't matter because Johnny Juzang was phenomenal against Michigan. 28 of the team's 51 points. Juzang can really score. Hawkes was fantastic against Alabama when Juzang fouled out. Tiger Campbell's a really good guard. He's really quick. That trio, you know, it's unlikely against Gonzaga. Obviously, people are going to favor Gonzaga, but... Playing defense, and you've got a couple guys who can get you buckets. You never know with this UCLA team because they have knocked off some really good teams. They've knocked off Alabama, Michigan. Can they knock off Gonzaga? We'll have to see. So I'm going to come back in a little bit, and then I will uh, break down the two games uh, for the Final Four tonight. And then we'll talk about championship and who my championship pick is now. Stay tuned. I'll be back in a bit. 
All right, we're back on 125 Unfiltered. Before we get to the Final Four, I actually want to talk a little bit about the women's tournament, which I've paid attention to uh, a little bit. Um, I think it's been fantastic this year. There have been a lot of stars uh, in college basketball on the women's side. Obviously, Paige Beckers has just been a fantastic player for UConn. I believe she was player of the year as a freshman, uh, but UConn lost to Arizona last night. Um, the, the South Carolina ending against Stanford, two good looks uh, before the buzzer, and they just couldn't get them to fall. That was a really good game. The Baylor-UConn game, obviously, we saw the foul. Refs didn't call it, but we knew we knew that was a foul, and then we saw last night Karma kind of get into play with uh, Williams fouling out on the most ridiculous foul ever I've ever seen in basketball. That was that was terrible. These refs need to do a better job. Come on, come on, it's your job. But the tournament has been really good for the women's side. It's Stanford, Arizona tonight, Pac-12 again. I guess the Pac-12 is really representing this year for the women's and men's side. Uh, watching Beckers and Caitlin Clark of Iowa go head-to-head. Uh, Caitlin Clark, really good shooter. Uh, I watched uh, the highlights of that game. Um, but this has been a, it's been a really good women's tournament, uh, and we'll see a different winner this time. UConn is obviously out. Um, again, the Baylor game was really, really good. Uh, there have been some awesome players um, in this tournament, and I'm glad it's getting the publicity that it's getting because there are some real hoopers in women's college basketball. And I'm excited for that championship game. I, I believe it's Sunday. I, I don't know all the dates. Um, but I just wanted to talk about the women's tournament a little bit because it deserves the publicity and shine that it should because it's been just as good of a tournament as the men's game. Some could argue that the Baylor-UConn game has been the best game of any tournament, which it was. You know, you, uh, Baylor stormed out to, to a lead. Uh, one of their players got hurt. I can't remember her name. Uh, but then Beckers led like a 19-0 run. I mean, again, that's what college basketball is all about. But without further ado, transition back to the Final Four tonight for the men's side. Gonzaga, UCLA, Baylor, Houston. Let's start with the first matchup. I don't know who's first, but I'm just going to start with Gonzaga. Uh, I think everyone's confident in saying this. Uh, UCLA has no chance tonight. If UCLA knocks, knocks off Gonzaga, I don't know what, I'll, I won't know what to do. This UCLA team, I don't know how they've done it. Again, Juzang's been a really good scorer. Hawk has was clutch against Alabama. Tiger Campbell, but uh, or Cody Riley's been good defensively too. But how is that team gonna knock off Gonzaga with Jalen Suggs, Corey Kispert, Drew Timmy? This Gonzaga team is loaded. They are so efficient offensively. They shoot. I believe it's like it's like a 14 seconds or left offense. They get shots up. They score efficiently and easily. They run the break. And this Gonzaga is going to win by at least double digits. I mean, we saw them effortlessly beat down Southern Cal, who's who was really hot at that time. So it's safe to say that Gonzaga is going to be going to the championship pretty easily. It's a good matchup for them, obviously. I wish that maybe Alabama or Michigan could squeak by. I didn't really want UCLA in the Final Four because it's just not fair. Gonzaga is just too good. Only the cream of the crop is going to be able to have a chance at knocking off Gonzaga. So I've got Gonzaga winning by like 12 or 13 points tonight, which I believe is the spread, actually. Uh, so I'll switch it up. We'll, we'll go 14. I'll take, take the over. Or the I'll take Gonzaga winning by more than 12 and a half. Baylor-Houston is going to be the better of the two games, in my opinion. Uh, two really good defensive teams. This is going to be probably a low-scoring game. I'm going to give the edge to Baylor. 
because of the guys that they have at the guard position, again, Butler, Mitchell, Teague. Uh, Mitchell just won Defensive Player of the Year, actually. Uh, Teague was fantastic against Arkansas. He had at least 22. Even with that, uh, the weird hitch in his jump shot, it goes in. Jared Butler is obviously uh, a really good all-around player. And I just think that they're going to have too much offensively, too many weapons on offense for Houston to handle. Houston has played four double-digit seasons. You know, you have to play who's in front of you. But will they have the offensive firepower to deal with Baylor? Because Baylor's definitely better offensively, and I think the answer is no, unfortunately. Grimes or Sasser would need to have another big game, but with the guards who are going to be guarding them. I just don't see that happening. Uh, Scott Drew has been a, done a fantastic job with this team. Uh, you know, building it from the ground up. They've got a championship contender, and that's why I believe Baylor's going to win against Houston, setting up for the matchup that we all wanted to see back in December, I believe, but COVID canceled the matchup. Gonzaga, Baylor in the championship. And how can I not roll with the Zags? This team is just too good. I believe it's going to be a fantastic game. Baylor's going to give them a good fight. The way Baylor can win. One, hit your threes. You've got to make shots. They've had moments in this tournament where they haven't shot the ball well at all. First half against Villanova, they were terrible. Villanova put them on upset watch. Baylor, they are the best three-point shooting team in the country, and they need to shoot like it against Gonzaga. Two, I believe you need to key in on someone of Gonzaga. Corey Kispert's the main name that pops up, but I think you need to find a way to stop Drew Timmy because of how dominant he's been in this tournament, because of how much of a mismatch he is. I don't know if Mark Vidal can handle Drew Timmy one-on-one. -on -one. Maybe you throw Meyer on, uh, off the bench on, on Timmy, but I think he's probably the one that you need to key in on if you're Baylor, because you can't key in on everyone. Obviously, if it's up to them, you want to let Nemhard or Ayayi, very good players, obviously beat you and even Watson off the bench. But Drew Timmy has just, it just, Drew Timmy makes this Gonzaga team so multidimensional. They can score from the outside. They can score from the paint. And Drew Timmy has a big part in that. Kispert can have a bad shooting night because, you know, shooters can have bad shooting nights. Same with Suggs. But Timmy has been so good and so efficient that he is the player Baylor needs to lock in on if they want any chance. Scott Drew's going to obviously draw something up. I figure he's going to throw some uh, interesting defenses Mark Few's way. It's just going to be a great showdown. Th these are teams each with uh, future first-round picks. Some really good offensive and defensive firepower on both sides. Uh, but I am going to take Gonzaga. I'll have Gonzaga winning by about seven points. And, you know, they're going to be the first team since 1976 to go undefeated, in my opinion. But overall, that's about it for today. It's been a fantastic tournament. We all love March Madness. Um, it, it's love the, I love the upsets, but you know when it comes down to it, we want to see the big dogs fight. We want to see Gonzaga and Baylor. I wouldn't be mad at Houston making it, but I, I mean, UCLA, there's no way they beat Gonzaga. I'll have to eat my words like I have about the Pac-12 the whole tournament if they pull off the upset of the year, maybe in the past few years. Or since the UMBC, that's obviously the, the, the biggest one. But that's about it for me today. If you've tuned in then this entire episode, thank you so much for listening uh, to 125 Unfiltered today or whenever you're, uh, whenever you're listening to this. 
Uh, I do want to get a few more episodes out. I want to talk NBA trade deadline from a from a week or two ago. Uh, and you know, NFL draft stuff is coming up. NFL free agency happened. Uh, so I definitely want to get some some more episodes uh, out in the future. I've got a few days to take it a little easy. Uh, not too much work this weekend, so I definitely want to. Uh, crank out some episodes because I love doing the podcast. It's fun to do. uh, And I love when you guys tune in to listen. But anyways, thank you so much again for listening and I'll talk to you next time.